0: Namo tasa pakawato arahato samma samputasa Namo tasa pakawato arahato samma samputasa Namo tasa pakawato arahato samma samputasa Uttang dhammang sankang This is our uh, observance day and this is our custom every new moon and full moon to uh, the bhikkhu and Samanera Sangha come together to recite our uh, agreed-upon principles and rules of living together. And for the lay people, the, uh, the principles are founded on the on the eight precepts. And living together, a group of people from different nationalities and different age groups and different genders and uh, um, different upbringings and Different perspectives, different uh, uh, psychological health issues, so on and so forth. Uh, it's it's, uh, it's a challenge to live in harmony, and uh, our etiquette and the the agreements, because these are agreements that we choose to live by, are are tremendously helpful for um, creating a social environment which is. Um, hopefully not overly contentious or competitive or um, hurtful or abusive or you know, in any way like that, so that we feel we feel the kind of uh, freedom and safety to go inwards and, and uh, work with the material that comes up, whether it's whether the mind is uh, happy or depressed, it's uh, courageous or frightened that, that we feel safe in this environment, to be able to do the work that each one was, uh, has come to do. Um, and as opposed to a, a retreat center, I was talking to someone who's not here now, but the person was saying that, uh, that their uh, experience in a retreat center, they were serving in the retreat center, was actually very kind of divided, where the important thing was the meditation. That was always a sort of very highly stressed thing, and everything else seemed to be uh, kind of get it done in order to meditate. And that's a, that kind of divided mind is very unhealthy, because it, it, um, it fractures the idea of what the awakened mind is about, that one type of experience is more more relevant than another type of experience. But in community life, we're trying to um, develop the capacity to understand ourselves live in harmony, live by a, a discipline in all all postures, all situations all types of work, whatever all types of people uh, and this only makes sense doesn't it? to kind of try to get a piece of work done so that I can meditate later what does that create? It creates a restless mind an aversion to the work and usually bad work but to, to see all, all the activities as a part of developing um, a kind of intelligence of what's going on, an intelligence of you know, what's actually happening right now and how, how can I work with it to facilitate a good result, whether that's um, some discomfort in your body during meditation or it's a, it's a bent piece of equipment which isn't working well. It's the same intelligence. The same intelligence. Um, so, in terms of uh, the the monastery itself, the resources that we have, it's always helpful uh, to reflect that that we we live on, uh, we live because of the generosity of many many people, and so we have this um, beautiful environment which none of us could afford individually. I think can never. Uh, and have the money to live like this, and yet we live quite simply. It's not uh, ostentatious, but because of the generosity of folk like you and, and, and uh, other lay people, this this place uh, functions, and functions very, very well. We are, we're actually, in many ways, we're very wealthy. We have a new tractor, and a new lawnmower, and multi-carpets, uh, and so in some ways it's a very, well-to-do situation. And in in, in, a, in a community, the, one of the dangers is that one gets a kind of institutional mindset where, because it's not a mind per se, I don't own it, uh, the mind compartmentalizes something. Well, that's someone else's responsibility, or that's someone else's duty, and I'll take care of my stuff, and someone else will take care of the rest of the stuff, but who is that someone else? Right? It's us. It's always us. It's just us. So to develop a mindset of caring and concern for everything in the monastery is a very beautiful, very beautiful way um, to look at it. So whether it's a uh, a piece of rubbish, paper outside, to notice it and pick it up and put it in the bin. It gives a lovely feeling, just that simple gesture. You see someone's... Um, throwing a, a candy wrapper, Ooh, don't see it much, a candy wrapper on the ground, and to pass it by and notice it and not pick it up would be um, would be ignoble. <laughs> you know it would be like it would be like, yeah, well, it's a piece of paper, but I'm, I've got stuff to do. Uh, but to actually see a piece of paper and just pick it up and put it in the bin is that you get what you get is you get a feeling of belonging. Yeah, it's my place. It's my space. I want to take care of it. And that helps the heart. It really helps the heart in meditation. uh, Was the institutional mindset of kind of maybe going to a university or or somewhere. There's always... There is someone taking care of things. And you couldn't... You couldn't start cleaning the floors in the hospital. It would be absurd. There is someone actually hired to do that. Or or like... I just like to think... You know, creating the perception that if I had very, very little money... You know, I was just this using this tool right now, right? I'd be very careful about the tool not to break it, because I know. Well, I haven't got much money. If I break this thing, I got to get myself another one. Or, or kind of, you know. That's, so, so those, those are very. They're not attitudes of fear, but they're attitudes of respect, and care, and and those attitudes then play out in the way you're meditating. All oh, anything, anything one develops in in. Uh, in the seemingly mundane aspects of monastic life, or anything skillful or unskillful is going to play out in the meditation. So it's all meditation. It's all trying to, to, to be, to do things well. Um, so just just in terms of the workshop, to be very careful with the power tools. If you don't have experience, don't even think about it. Right? We had we put in a new uh, a new saw blade. Um, into the, this new table saw that we have I just found this out and uh, within two or three days of putting a new saw blade in someone around a two by four probably with nails in it through the saw blade and chipped the saw blade saw blades are expensive very expensive and what's troubling about that I know this was like last year no one's guilty here okay don't worry <laughs> but what was troubling about that no one fessed up you know, that's always kind of, you know, you, you 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 do something, you make a mistake, fine, yeah. But no one, no one, kind of said, "Ante, you know, I blew it." So, so that that kind of that kind of attitude is, of course, um, it's not noble. It's not noble. So, so to 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 care for the tools is is a beautiful thing. So, like, if you use a shovel, and it's kind of mucky, clean the shovel up. Um, or you've used a hammer or, or or wrenches or whatever, and they're all mucky, clean them up. Just that, that little bit of extra care, a little bit of extra attention, uh gives them a sense of, of lovely uh, belonging. With with equipment like power tools and so on, um, we have all these different kinds of engines going. Engines require a certain kind of fuel, diesel, oil. Gasoline oil mix, something like that. And we've had things ruined by people just, well, it doesn't matter, just pour it in. Um, so that kind of, that, and, that, and that takes intelligence, doesn't it? It's a kind of intelligence. What What am I doing now? And how can I do this well? Like if you're coming from the city and we ask you to dig a hole, be careful because you're probably out of shape and you can do your back in. So dig the hole. Don't say, I'm out of shape, I can't dig the hole. That's not... That's not on either, unless you do have spinal problems. But but realize, okay, so I'm, I'm not I'm not in shape. Go slow. But do it well. You know, do it well rather than furiously chopping away something and then the next day you're on your back or you've strained a muscle. It's very easy to strain muscles if you've not not worked physically hard. So, you know, if you're here and you're working, get in shape. But do it do it kindly. Do it kindly to your body. Yeah? Um, if 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 a machine is somehow if you have to push a machine somehow, don't. A machine has its own um, laws, and there you know machines. Once once you start to push them in a way they're not meant to be pushed, just back off. You probably don't know what you're doing, and just ask someone. Um, so so it's in the kitchen say. Um, Another thing, very important, is to try to always put away things, and and this is very important in 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 the hum- in the harmony of a community, because imagine that, like the let's say uh, if if you're in charge of the kitchen. And you, are another person in charge of the kitchen, and that every every 20 minutes someone puts a dirty teacup down in the sink, right? and and doesn't wash it. Now, for that person who put the teacup down and just put it in the sink, no big deal. But the person who has to keep the kitchen clean, you know, after half, you know after half a day, there's all kinds of uh, cups there. It's no big deal to wash them. But imagine, imagine the, the the mindset of the person who has to keep the kitchen clean. The mindset of the kitchen person says, "Well, why did they do it themselves? What's you know?" So that, that kind of sensitivity to areas is a way of creating harmony. So you kind of think, well, who, who works here, and how can I help them make it a better place?" I came into the workshop um, a couple of nights ago, a couple of mornings ago, and Thomas had done a wonderful job of cleaning it up, just, just uh, kind of spontaneously I said, "I didn't know who had done it, but I said, ooh, that's nice." It's a nice feeling, isn't it?" when someone is kind of uh, taking care of something. So that what what monasteries tend to have are, are dumping spaces. Right? You don't know what to do with, with something, so you look around and you dump it. So kitchens are dumping spaces, workshops are dumping spaces, offices are dumping spaces, hallways are dumping spaces, meditation halls are dumping spaces. And that, you know, this again, it's not a moral issue, but you imagine if if uh, 20 people... How many are we now? 15 maybe? 18? Uh, 20 people just do their own thing, dump here and there, you get you get a feeling of, of kind of sloppiness, don't you? Sloppiness. But if, if you have, well, like this space is a public space, and if I leave my blankets and my slippers and my glasses and my water bottle, I just I'll just leave it here. I don't have to move it. That's lazy. And if every everyone does it, the place becomes very cluttered. So the ethos around the, the shrine room is to make it make it a space where someone comes in, they feel tranquil, and they won't feel tranquil if it's you know filled with junk. So the, the ethos is to to each time you leave the the meditation hall, to take your stuff out, take it to your room, fold it up nicely. Same with the hallway. Sometimes I see people leave socks in the hallway. It's all right. you know sometimes people leave socks in their shoes. I think, that's all right, but still kind of you get five pairs of shoes with socks in there. It's okay in your own home, but when you have a community, it starts to just look gross, doesn't it? But if you you know so the way you put your shoes away, uh, you put your clothing away, uh, put your water bottle away, so you're 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 aware of the space. You're aware of the it being a public space, you're aware of your own stuff. you know, you you know where you're taking care of your own stuff. It's not just like it's you just leave it any old where. It doesn't matter It does matter. And that that requires awareness, it requires intelligence. It's a kind of intelligence. It requires sensitivity to others. And this is beautiful. This is very beautiful, both in your own heart and and in the community. the the spaces we live in, the rooms we live in. The expectation is that they're military clean. Like really, really nice. The bed is really nicely made. Uh, ra- rather, like, like, let's say, if I if I want to show someone who is maybe if I take the Thai ambassador and I want to show them the rooms in the house, and I show them and you know some person's got their sleeping bag on the floor and their socks on the lighting or something like that, right? Then what does that feel like? Because all oh, these people are really sloppy. They're not even as clean as teenagers. <laughs> so so that like you know what you do is when when you go back to your room, have a look. What's your mind like? It's probably a bit like the room. <laughs> so if the room is all sloppy then, oh I'm not very mindful of this space. So that the space that you're in becomes, you know, just as important as the as the as the meditation room. Put your things away neatly fold a blanket up neatly. Yeah. This requires mindfulness. This requires intelligence. And, and add those little things up and what do you get? You get, piece by piece, uh, a meditative lifestyle. Uh, a, a, a lifestyle where you can notice uh, the busyness of the mind. One of the great problems we have with work is just always trying to get things finished. I know I suffer from that sometimes and I know if I really train myself, it just, just, just do it. You don't have to get it finished. Just do it. It's such a strong um, tendency. And then those, if you use like habits of work or whatever to, to, to understand your mind, then the work becomes meditation. So if you're, if you're working in the morning, we have it's a very brief period of work, really. It's only three hours. It's not that long. But after two hours, you think, well, that's enough. Uh, I think I'll go and leave I'll leave the work to the rest of the people when you think about that how the rest of the people feel, feel well wait a minute I thought this was a group activity so then you watch you watch the desire not to work no well, it, it's not that one likes working all the time sometimes you do sometimes you don't right but but the whole framework that we have like the schedule that you have the morning meditation the evening meditation the, the work periods all of those are, are, are our communal agreements, we all agree to, to, um, to live by those agreements. And then within that, obviously sometimes it's going to be nice, sometimes not nice, sometimes boring, sometimes peaceful, uh, sometimes painful. But if we pick and choose, we'll never be free. So as I always say, we have a kind of freedom here to surrender to the form and then watch our preferences, our comings and goings, our preferences in the mind. And that's a freedom not to manipulate the world, but to observe how desire works in your mind, how aversion works, how liking and dislike works, how sloppiness works, things like that. Um, and, and and one can read about very high states of mind and meditation and, and read about great masters who, who've attained... And, all the rest of it, but I know with, like Ajahn Chah, much of his teaching was actually very mundane, you know, very, very, and very, very fierce sometimes. He'd, he'd walk around the kutis, and if you saw the kutis were all a mess, he would lay into us. He, you know, he would get a really, uh, a real tongue-lashing, which is great, you know, everyone kind of got energized. Once, I remember, it was the hot season, and, and he, he he just reckoned we were sleeping too much. Hot season, everyone can go back and crash out. And he said, "You're, you just, you just a bunch of rice bags. <laughs> you're not earning your rice." So he threw us out of the kutis, we made everyone leave their kuti, and we had to sleep in the leaves. No ticks, fortunately. <laughs> We're sleeping on the leaves, and it's not bad, under under our mosquito nets. And I'm kind of grumbling. I have a perfectly good kuti. This is ridiculous. So after about four days, everyone had snuck back into their kuti. <laughs> but he'd often just do things like that, just to, to to make us look at our attachment to comfort, or uh, or he'd ask us to to, to he would do we would create work projects just to to push us. So sometimes we'd be working, and we were helping to build the uh, the big uh, ordination hall, that it's a concrete structure, we were we were doing earth moving by bucket full. So we had a chain of maybe 50 monks, and we we didn't have a bulldozer, we just moved massive amounts of dirt, because there was a, a water tank under the ordination, house. a huge, huge job. And it was hot, very hot, and uh, we did have Pepsi's, so it was nice, <laughs> but very, very hot. and sticky, right? And and then in, you know, in Asia, the um, sunset is around six o'clock. Oh, it's getting dark and I'm feeling relief. Okay, oh, And then just about think I've finished work and he gets the generator going. It is this massive generator from some tank, I think. And the lights get on. They keep going. Keep going, keep going. And, you know, well, that's it about work. At first, you think, oh, this is nice, this is sweet, but put a few hours in, and then the mind starts to experience desire, desire not to work. <laughs> and then, when there's the desire not to do this, then there's aversion, then there's projecting, and then all manner of things start to come apart. And that's good for us. It's good for us to to, to be faced with things we don't want, people we don't want, in a way that's not threatening in a way that's not abusive, in a way that doesn't hurt us, but where our preferences are are uh, are not pampered to and our preferences are challenged in some very natural way. They're not challenged through kind of, you know, me taking a stick and beating you on the head or something, not in nat- just a natural way of, of our preferences not being fulfilled. Either the way we you know, someone we have a, a personality clashes or we're asked to do work we don't want to do. We'd rather do something else. And the kind of noble attitude is, okay, how can I figure out how not to suffer in this situation? How can I figure out how to be in the situation which I'm not liking and yet try to do it well, try to fulfill my duties, and learn about my attachments to having life my particular way? This is ennobling and it's a meditation and it's, it's something you don't learn on the meditation cushion. You learn other things in the meditation, but that kind of stuff you learn in situ. And that requires intelligence, doesn't it? It's the intelligence of saying, oh, I'm suffering now. I want something I don't have. I don't have something that I want. I have to let go of the wanting. The unintelligent person holds on to the wanting and then projects... Aversion or resentment, or you know, just carries on in in an unfortunate way. So, making making the four noble truths um, the theme throughout the work, and trying to do the work very well, is something very um, confidence-building, something very um, wholesome about doing the most mundane job and doing it well. Doing it with vigor, doing it with, with precision, holding a tool or whatever, and doing it mindfully. Doing it, not mindfully, not in some kind of overly focused control way, but mindfully in terms of intelligence. Not mm-hmm. like doing, doing, digging it. If you ever look at someone who has maybe been manual labor for like 20 or 30 years, you don't see many people like that now, but someone who is older and they've been working with manual labor, they're very efficient. There's some of the old uh, farmers in um in the northeast of Thailand. The way they would take those long hoes and the way they could pitch uh a shovel full, a hoe full of, of, of mud, twenty meters. You know, just just and they could do it all day. It was so actually it was really lovely to see because they had the intelligence of a body which understood how to how, they understood how to use a body to give a kind of result and and for the uh, a person who's very abstracted into thought all the time they don't even notice this it's kind of um, yeah he's just you know he's just digging ditches but when you really look that farmer has a kind of intelligence he knows he knows his he knows his work, and he knows how to do his work. And then if I were put in that situation, I had to, I could do it. I tried. I mean, I tried to learn how they did that. And it's, it's quite a lovely skill. Uh, in 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 a, in a monastery like this, there's there's a tremendous opportunity to to be in contact with nature. Um, and just just to to get out of one's head and, and uh, listen to, to bird song, and uh, look at the color of leaves, see the shape of a, of, a, of a cloud, feel the bite of a mosquito. Not just for the enhancement of sense experience, not just for that, it does enhance sense experience, but just for the sake of not being abstracted all the time. The abstracted mind, which is constantly in thought, constantly in virtual representations of some reality which does not exist. That mind it doesn't notice the color of a daffodil. Right? It doesn't it doesn't notice the 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 shape of an oak leaf. It's just abstracted all the time. And that mind is is also finds it difficult to meditate because that mind doesn't know how to be with the reality of the mind as it's presenting itself. It goes off into the abstractions of thought, representations of reality rather than this reality, how it is now, this moment now. So whether it's the, the, the shape of a visual object or the shape of my emotion right now, to contact that directly means I have to have a kind of training where I know how to look. I know how to listen, I know how to touch. Not, again, not for the sake of some kind of enriched sense experience, because that would not be what the Buddha was teaching, but for the sake of being present to the way things are, to the suchness of things. So there's a a great uh, um, beauty in that, to, to actually be in contact. But sometimes the things that come up into our you know, the material that comes up in our minds uh, is not very pretty. If you're depressed, or uh, anger comes up, or, or um, resentments, or, or paranoias, you know, we can get some pretty ugly stuff coming up into consciousness. But the capacity not to abstract that, not to just analyze it, but to go directly into it with a kind of direct contact, direct perception. Is very interesting, because if you do that, and you have the patience to witness it directly as it is, before commentary, before judgment, before analysis, just as it is, fear is fear, doubt is doubt, anger is anger, you go directly to it, it blossoms in the mind, and then in the blossoming it ceases. And in that cessation, you begin to understand where peace really lies, not in desire and abstractions, but... In direct knowing of the way things are, and a non-grasping of the way things are. And that takes courage, that takes patience, that takes endurance, that takes a lot of very um, spiritual qualities. But if one's never done that, if one's never contacted life ever directly, then as soon as these things come up, there isn't the equipment. There's the running away, there's the distraction, there's the thinking, the judging, the mind doesn't know how to be with direct reality. So by, oddly enough, by doing some exercises in direct visual perception, just looking at uh, an ash tree and just looking at the bark of an ash tree and just holding attention like that, without comment, without any reason to even do it, just for the sake of direct contact with sense experience, just to listen to the sounds in the evening, just for the sake of listening just to feel the, the, the heat in the body, maybe, just to feel like the humidity of the body temperature, just for the sake of that, direct contact, what happens? Well, what happens is then the, the sense of a self caught up with all its uh, judgments and analyses, that sense of self is no longer engaged. It's no longer a me doing something about this, there's the direct experience. So whether it's a tulip or the fear in your mind, whether it's uh, an old memory which has come into your mind or the sound of the loon, they're just conditions, that's all they are. But the sound the memory in your mind and the fearful response to life that is loaded with ego, loaded with self, and the mind spins off into all kinds of narratives and stories and blames and self-recriminations, and it, it's endless, really. But to have the courage and and, and, and um, presence of mind to say, this fear is this way, and to wait, and to wait, and to be patient, to not have to fix it, not to have to get rid of it, not to blame yourself, but rather just be with a pure, pure attention. In the scene there is just the scene, in the sense there's just the sense. To, just that, and the cognizer is just the cognizer, that kind of direct contact, the train in that, then that always brings, that always points to the, the, the mystery of life is that there is this knowing of change. And that's, you find refuge. When you take Buddha and Saranangachami, that's one of the ways we think about that. There's pure refuge in, in these things. But as soon as there's the abstraction of thought, then, then that's where you go. You never you never things never end. That's one of the problems we have, and I think in a intellectual society is that we, we're always needing to kind of make a comment, uh, make an analysis, make a judgment about our inner world, uh, always need to uh, do something about it. but actually you don't. the things come up, they they hang in for a while and then they cease and to trust in that and to notice cessation. That's why we emphasize cessation so much, the ceasing of the sense of self by just noticing. The ceasing of a of a tornado of fear by just hanging in there, watching it. Uh, and and one gets a sense of liberation being something very immediate rather than something which is kind of self-driven, time-driven. And exercises of, of awareness around How to use a chisel or uh, how to dig a hole are are very much part of that. Very much going to be practical, practical intelligence. Abstracted intelligence. Think about that. Some people can, you know, they'll they'll pick up secondhand information and then um, they'll talk about it. But that'll just be an opinion, really. And that's okay, that, that that's that's allowed. But then you see the intelligence of someone who is figured out suffering and the end of suffering. Or the intelligence of someone who, who knows how to make something. You kinda of think that's it's a different, it's more practical. And Buddhism is very pragmatic that way. It's not an abstract theory which you pick up and then try to fit your you try to fit your experiences into an abstract theory, no. It's kind of pointing to something we have to see for ourselves, suffering its cause and its end, and the path. Uh, and, and so we're pragmatic that way. And, and that pragmatism is the intelligence of things, the intelligence of how things work, and, and uh, uh, how to free the mind. So to, tonight, it's, uh, it's as I think you all probably know, it's a uh, it's a lunar observance day, so our custom is to meditate through to 12 o'clock. Um, the idea being that you, you, know, after we finish this session, then uh, people usually go outside, do some walking meditation, come back, do some sitting meditation, kind of alternate. And then at 11.15, uh, we try to be back in this room and meditate together for the last uh, 45 minutes till 12 o'clock so if you'd like to join us for that please do but if you have uh, issues of physical health or you have some something uh, very important tomorrow and you need more rest please don't worry about it but try try to do it um, so that's one of our renunciate practices to to kinda of sit through to twelve o'clock. Some people find it easy, some don't. Uh, and you watch, you just watch. Aversion, liking, disliking, peacefulness of a night out uh, a quiet night or whatever. Alright? So I'll leave that for your reflection. And <laughs>